Welcome to the second episode of the OTT Makeshift podcast. My name is Enrique Mendizabal. I am the director of OTT and uh, I am going to share with you today a conversation I had with Johannes Lin from the Brookings Institution. Johannes has been working in the field of scaling, uh, scaling impact, scaling research, scaling science for quite some time. Uh, although this is a relatively new subject for some of us, um, it has huge implications for the field of research uptake, uh, evidence-informed policy, and policymaking more broadly. The conversation that Johannes and I had was uh, in the context of a scaling exchange supported by IBRC and that OTT had the uh, opportunity to host. Uh, throughout 11 weeks, we hosted um, 20 plus scaling entrepreneurs from the developing world who share their experiences, uh, the challenges and opportunities they have faced in attempting to scale the impact of the research they've conducted. So Johannes tells us a little bit more about the background of this emerging field and then we talk about the implications of scaling for other areas of evidence-informed evidence -informed policy making. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining us, Johannes. Um, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do on scaling? Thank you, Enrique, and greetings to all the Scaling Exchange colleagues. Uh, I'm an economist. I've worked for about 50 years on issues of development uh, with many different organizations, especially the World Bank and the Brookings Institution. Now, for the last 10 years, I've worked as an independent researcher advisor and consultant and the principal area my work is focused on so scaling up successful interventions for greater development impact and indeed i'm the co-founder and co-chair of the international community of practice on scaling up development impact thank you and why is this issue of scaling so important to you well you know innovative solutions are critical of course for solving what are many development challenges that we face in the world, but they'll provide effective answers only if they go to scale, on a regional scale, a national scale, or even on a global scale. Now, they're great examples of successful scaling, the Green Revolution, conditional cash transfer programs, river blindness er eradication in Western Africa and others. But, uh, all too often, successful innovations fail to scale because there's no systematic attention given to the scaling process. In fact, I like to say that too many pilots are pilots to nowhere. And that's because a common attitude remains that, yeah, I have such a great idea or this project is such a wonderful project, someone will pick it up and run with it. But in reality, that's not so. If no one systematically focuses on the vision to scale, on the scaling up pathway and the process and enabling factors for scaling from early on, successful scale, scaling will remain the exception. And, and so we know we're not alone in this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the global development landscape from your perspective? Sure. So my own work on scaling started about 15 years ago, uh, and I actually should mention that I owe, owe this start to Jim Wolfensen, who was the former president of the World Bank. He was absolutely mesmerized by the Chinese approach uh, of letting a thousand flowers bloom and then picking the one that works best and replicating it at a grand scale. 
Now, based on sort of this insight, we started working on scaling at the Wolfenson Center for Development at Brookings in 2005. At that time, we found less than a handful of other development experts who were seriously studying the scaling question. And very few development institutions focused on this issue in their operational approach. But since then, I'm happy to say the interest of researchers and practitioners has mushroomed. And this we have prom promoted and supported through the community practice on scaling development impact, which Larry Cooley and I founded about six years ago. And now we actually have 700 members from over 200 organizations in this community of practice. In fact, many academic centers, Stanford, Yale, Duke in the US, think tanks and foundations, bilateral and multilateral development agencies are now focused on this issue, including, of course, and I'm happy to say, IDRC. And why are you joining us? What do you hope to learn from this exchange? Well, so far, you know, much of the work on scaling remains focused on northern experts and institutions with unfortunately relatively little participation from the global south. Now, our community of practice is trying to change this, and it's my understanding that IDRC, with this scaling exchange initiative, has a very similar objective. So I look forward to contribute what I can to the scaling exchange based on my experience, but for me, perhaps even more importantly, I also expect to learn a lot from the experience of all of you, the participants. In the end, what happens on the ground by and for the people in the developing world, that's what really matters. The more I think about this, it's an interesting uh, uh, issue, um, getting into it slowly, but um, the, um, it was something you mentioned, I was having a conversation this week with a person in charge of um, a lab here in Peru, uh, at the Ministry of Education, called Minedu Lab. Yeah. They do experiments and uh, try to get them to scale. And right. uh, a few months ago, I talked to the person in charge and, um, and she kind of, in the context of the evaluation that we're doing with IDRC, and, and she said, well, well, nice to talk to you because um, you know, we've been running these experiments for the last uh, five years or so, but, but none, of the, none of the successful experiments have been scaled. Huh, yeah. Right. And we don't know why. Um, right. So I was talking to someone who's working with him, with her now, and, and he asked, you know, he called me to see, you know, to ask about, you know, why do I, what are our, our ideas around it? You know, why do we think that, you know, this has happened? And, and, um, and so this is a case of, you know, public resources, um, you know, put into these experiments, but without, as you said, without a plan for scaling, it's almost like, it's almost like spending a lot, I mean, this happens to us a lot and, and to other think tanks, you're spending a lot of money on your, on your video, right? Or right. spending a lot of money on a film and not having a distribution uh, strategy or plan for right. it. Uh, nobody's going right. to watch it. Right. Um, and this is the same. We spend a lot of money on, a, on an impact evaluation uh, of an intervention, but no, no thinking about, you know, right. would this be scalable? You know, who would scale right. it? What would be the mechanisms to do it? Um, so, yeah. I can actually, let me send you a, it's a fairly short piece I recently wrote for another, for another um, Zoom event on scaling and evidence. How do you uh, actually uh, use evidence uh, effectively in support of scaling? 
And um, you might find that actually useful as a background and maybe potentially even as an input for your scaling exchange events. Yeah, that's it's, right. Uh, it's easily accessible. It also sort of compares three different approaches to scaling, one being sort of the the uh, scaling pathway from, from innovation to whatever your vision of scale is. Secondly, your sort of how, how in a project context, because you know, most development agencies and actually most of us work in a project context. We have one project and go on to maybe follow up project and so on, but all too often they actually, these are one-off projects and move on to something else. So yeah. how do we actually have a more programmatic perspective on our project work? That leads and is connected then, of course, to the scaling up idea. And thirdly, more recently, also people have gotten sort of into this whole system change approach. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, put that in contradistinction to the more scaling up approach by saying, no, 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 this is not about scaling up one end of innovation. It's all about how do we create the overall enabling environment so all innovations that are useful can be scaled up. And I actually think these are perfectly complementary and actually highly interrelated. So briefly explain that note also briefly explains how how I see that so I'll send it to you as I said it's very short it's maybe four or five pages only and might be right. might be of interest I mean one resource I one uh, a book that I've used um, for the last few years um, and has helped me to kind of analyze policy decisions um, I teach a course here at the university and um, and we use we use that framework to understand how decisions are made within government you know so right. um, you know the, right choices and wrong choices or mistakes right. and uh, it's a book called Pol um, uh, blunders of our government by mm -hmm. um anthony king and uh ira crew i believe um in the uk and they go uh, they go through um a series of policy blunders in the uk huh. um and it's quite interesting you know the policy blunders right. you know you know of a few billion pounds, you know, it's not, um, right. not small, small affairs. Right. Um, and then from, from doing that, then they identify what they call, um, I think sort of, um, kind of human error type fact, you know, factors, and then sort of system facts, system, you know, right. errors. Right. And so the human right. errors, um, you know, that I think are very relevant have to do with, you know, cultural disconnect. So the people who design to not live like the people who they're supposed to be benefiting. So, right. Right. Um, and I think of this sometimes when I think about the researchers designing these interventions, you know, they, they, they're not thinking about the people they are supporting, they're right. thinking right. about, you know, their right. own world, you know, the, is this, right. this going to be publishable? You know, can I, right. what can I do? Uh, and there's this operational disconnect. Those who design are not usually the ones who implement and right. there are no feedback loops between them in general. Right. And so you end up thinking about a great design and then you say, Oh, but you know, it was not my design's problem. It's not my fault. It was right. those who implemented it. They made them, right. Right. Right? right? But you know, what they would argue is, well, if you did not take into account implementation challenges, then you designed it poorly, right? That was poor, right. you know, poorly designed. Right. And then you've got these systems issues, you know, the you know, um, uh, you know, lack of accountability, um, you know, no, no, no. Um, no role for evidence or limited role for evidence and how it kind of you know feeds into the process. There's issues about power, like who you know who makes decisions, where these decisions are made. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting framework to look at yeah. Yeah. The, the factors that explain why um, you know even if you have, even if you have a good idea, you right. end up with a blunder. You end up with a with right. unexpected negative impact. You know whether it's economic, or political, or social. 
Um, right. And, uh, and, and clearly it's, you know, you do not think well about this, the whole system, like the, how your idea right. was going to go all the way to the beneficiary. Right. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it's, and, no, and many of these are about uh, scaling. Yeah. Um, Thanks for mentioning that. I, I'll take a look at it. That's it. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, there will be more more work on scaling coming out of on Think Tank. So I encourage you to visit our website on thinktanks.org, sign up to our newsletter, and follow us on social media. We'll be back soon with more episodes from this uh, OTT podcast. Uh, until then, goodbye. <laughs>